Well, folks, welcome to the Nobleman Podcast, episode number 44. We are uh, in January. This is our final installment with our theme, Why Men? And my goodness, have I got a treat for you today. Dr. Joe Martin is a ministry leader. Uh, He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a podcast host. Lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I got connected with him with some other guys uh, who I know in ministry. He's got a fantastic story, but he's here today. And uh, I just want to welcome Dr. Joe. Thank you for being with us on our podcast today to talk about why we should be investing in men. Thank you, Mike, for having me. You know, you're a guy that I respect and admire and had a chance and had the joy of meeting you in Texas. So I'm excited about being on your show, man. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to be together. Thank you. And uh, we've got some mutual friends in Bernie Ritterbush and Chris Ackerson, guys who don't just talk about men's ministry. They are passionate about this. And so they live it, man. They live it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's uh, it's fun to recognize. uh, I often say that there are many of us laboring in this field together to uh, to see men discipled well. So listen, you are doing a podcast. Your your ministry is Real Men Connect. You speak a lot. Tell us about what give us a little bit more detail on those things and how you're investing in men and kind of what your thrust is in ministry. Well, I'll give you what we're doing and we can always go back and you can we can kind of piece together the journey as we see what we can do to help men lead men better um but you mentioned um bernie riddlebush and chris Ackerson. both of those guys have played a integral part in my desire to work with men um but as far as what we do we realize that men are struggling men are frustrated yeah they want to win they want to win at what matters most and even what frustrates the most is husbands fathers um spiritual leaders in their home in the battles that they have to fight every day. And what we're realizing that they're frustrated with it and they want to do better, but not every man was equipped or learned how to do better. Um, you mentioned, I have a background in education. Right. And we often diagnose um, um, kids who come into our class, into our school, uh, they're, you know, ADD, ADHD, and all these other um, alphabets of learning <laughs> disorders. Right. And what I learned as I got into men's ministry that we also, as men, suffer from a learning disability that is often undiagnosed, especially right. by our wives, and they don't know is that we're not ADD, ADHD, we're ABT, ain't been taught. And so <laughs> say that again, ABT ain't ABT been taught. Ain't been taught. You know, I I've been living you. in Tennessee too long, so I'm starting to use their vernacular. Ain't, <laughs> you know, ain't been taught. And what it is, they they haven't been taught. They have a desire. No man wants to ruin his life, That's or right. ruin his wife, or uh, mislead his kids and his family. But when it comes down to it, he was never taught, never shown how to do it. And when he recognizes that, he kind of suffers in silence. He doesn't want to tell anybody that, yes, I may look like a man. I may sound like a man. I may even sometimes have good days when I'm acting like a man. But deep down inside, I really feel like a mannequin, that I'm empty and hollow on the inside. And I don't know what I'm doing. But he's afraid and ashamed, sometimes feel guilty that, who do I tell this to? Who do I tell and admit that I don't know what I'm doing? What do I tell my wife? I don't know how to love you because yeah. I was never shown or never taught or trained on how to love you. Do I tell my wife? Um, I don't know how to lead our family spiritually. Do I tell my children? I have no clue on how to be a father. Um, I'm just figuring this out by trial and error. And you guys are the guinea pigs on this. Um, who does he tell his, his, his coworkers and the people at work that, you know what? I know I shave. <laughs> but that's the extent of it. I don't yeah. know how to be a man. I don't know the kind of man it takes to be the man that God wants and created me to be. And so he finds himself in this this 
mentality of I have to be a lone ranger yeah. and hopefully figure it out before anybody figures me out that I don't know what I'm doing. And so, but he doesn't recognize that even Lone Ranger had Tonto. Even Lone Ranger wasn't alone. He needs help. That's right. And so he doesn't know where he can go because he's thinking, I'm an elder in my church. That's right. And I don't know this. I'm 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 an associate pastor and I don't know this. Shoot, he might be the pastor. Right. <laughs> and I don't and I don't know That's this. Right. I can't tell anybody I don't know what I'm doing. So what we do is I created that space, that place where men can feel safe. Yeah. To say, I don't have a clue. And the reason why they can feel safe, because I'm the first one raising my hand to tell you, I didn't know because I was an overachiever who quote achieved the American dream. I had it all before I was 30. You know, you're talking about um, several homes, cars, beautiful wife, a child, prestige and position. I was the youngest professor they ever teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24, had my PhD before I was 30. Um, I worked for the Florida governor's office as communication director. And I grew up in the hood. Yeah. You know, came from a teenage mother and was sexually abused as a child. And I didn't tell anybody about that stuff. Right. But I decided if I make enough, have enough achievements and accomplishments, I will be able to mask. Yeah. Mask my insecurities, my deficiencies, my inadequacies. And so by me going first and letting guys know that I didn't become a man until I was in my mid thirties after I had blown a 16 year marriage due to my porn addiction and my serial adultery. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't have a clean testimony. I don't have of, wow, let me tell you, I've been married for 40 or 50 years and boy, we never argued. No, I ruined my marriage. I destroyed my family and God was able to redeem me, not by myself with the help of a man who discipled me in a community. So I created this place and God gave me the vision to create this place, this safe place where men would not be intimidated. They would not feel inadequate because they're thinking, my goodness, I know I'm a sinner, but that dude's a bigger sinner than me. <laughs> that's what the stuff they do. I, I understand how Paul felt. Exactly. Like, man, yep. That's what I was saying. I'm the biggest sinner. I'm the chief sinner among all these sinners. And so they come in with, wow, can I be safe here? Then we bring them into this community where we connect them, first of all, back to Christ, because right. that's only thing that's going to save them is their relationship with Christ. So we show them how to build a relationship with Christ. We get them into community around other men who are pursuing similar goals to be better husbands, fathers, and spiritual leaders. We get them in connection with, they can have even within that community, even another community that's even closer to them that they can confide in and tell them their deepest, darkest secrets. And that those two or three people will not lose respect for them. Right. No matter what they did. You might end up in jail, but they'll be the ones to visit you in jail. There you go. And so we we created that in our ministry. Then we created a coaching and mentoring component that, so they can have somebody a little bit ahead of them spiritually who can walk with them, help them develop as man. No different than Paul pouring into Timothy, Elijah pouring into Elisha, somebody that could pour into them as they grow in Christ. And then we had to deal with that piece that was missing from me was the counseling piece. Yeah. Because I know you may have outgrown your trauma. You may have outrun it, but it's still, you still got to deal with it. Sure. Now, what we try to do as men, we try to bury it. But I tell men all the time, if you're going to bury something, make sure it's dead. That's right. Or end up being like a zombie, you know, zombie movies when they (laughs) they killed them, but they're still alive. That was my past. So whether men want to deal with it or not, we got to deal with your trauma. Right. I don't care how saintly you were or how much of a sinner you were. We got to deal with 
your relationship with your father or lack of relationship, your relationship with your mother, your siblings, that bully, that teacher, that woman who broke your heart. We have to deal with your anger issues. We have to deal with your addictions. We have to deal with your abandonment issues. We have to deal with abuse. We have to deal with that stuff. That's why creating the safe place first was the thing I had to do so they could feel comfortable receiving those things. And all of it is Christ-centered. Right. And we do it in community and we do it together as a family. So that's what our ministry is all about. And that's why we call it Real Men Connect. Connect. You know, that's what it, they do. There's so much here. It, it just makes me think about Jesus investing in multitudes of people, but then there were 150 that were a little bit closer that traveled with right. him. There were 12 that in were his 12. disciples, and then there were those three. In the three. And then that's there was exactly. that one knucklehead Peter that he had to spend an <laughs> awful lot of time with. And, and, and I'm that knucklehead sometimes. I mean, he's got—I'm the one that's going to be all rudder, I mean— all jet and no rudder. What was it? Uh, mm-hmm. All blast and no rudder. You can't steer me sometimes, <laughs> just like Peter was. Right. So, And, you know, to your men, I talk to mops groups a fair amount, mothers of preschoolers, and a, a lot of moms will say, I'm tired and I wish my husband would lead our family. Then I get right. to talk to those young dads, and they said, you know, I feel the tension in this. I feel that there is something I'm supposed to be doing, but I've never seen it done well, and I don't know how. So you're right. you're speaking to that guy helping him out so guys i i am unapologetically just pushing you check out uh joe's website his um his resources there because i think this is a big help he's answering some questions that all of us have asked at some point in our lives um but i want to kind of shift this because shouldn't the church be doing this this is our our, our big challenge is the church should be investing in men to build disciples and advance leaders and help men lead well, help men win in their homes and in the church. And so how how is this biblical model? Could could someone take what you're doing and and begin to use it to grow in their personal capacity, but then also grow in capacity to lead their church? You know, absolutely. And I think the churches should be doing it. And you know, you and I talked even before we came on that eventually I hope that we're not even necessary right? Um, to have an organization. We love what we do and we know we're doing it for the kingdom. Um, but come on, as much as we enjoy this, we know we'll be, we'll enjoy it even more if the church has stepped up to be the body yeah. that call, God had called them to be. And um, it's funny, we mentioned Bernie um, Ritterbush earlier and who was um, who still is like a mentor to me. And he had this program, this workshop called um, Rethinking Disciple Making. Now, I got to put this in context for you, Mike, and this is going to be answering about what the church needs to do or at least get a wake-up call for. Right. Um, prior to that, I was um, my pastor had asked me to lead the men at our church. And, Mike, it ended up becoming the biggest ministry in the church. Yeah. How really? I know how really that happens. That <laughs> the biggest ministry in the church happens to be the men's bigger than the women's ministry. Oh no, bigger that's than illegal, the marriage I think. ministry. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> it kept growing and growing and growing. And of course, my pastor is just excited. He right. is thrilled with how the men. The, even the pastor's wife is telling me, "Oh, Joe, thank you for taking this burden off my husband's shoulder, man. This, right. The men, and I'm hearing from their wives and all this stuff. We're doing great. Everything was going great, Mike, until I met Bernie." Oh, Bernie <laughs> messed it all up, huh? Bernie messed it up because Bernie had this thing called Rethink Disciple Making. Chris, right. our friend, told me to go to it, and it was over um, two days. And I sat there, and what I realized is that we were 
building a ministry, but we weren't multiplying the ministry. Right. We were doing, we were adding, there but you we go. weren't multiplying. And Bernie got me to see it for the first time that if it's not multiplying, it's dying. So in other words, how do you know if something's just being added or something's multiplying? Take out the person who started it. Right. And remove him from the equation or her from the equation. Will it continue to grow at that rate or better or get stronger or whatever? All right. Let me stop you and ask you a question. Is there ever a model in history of a leader who was with some people who were following him for a period of time and then it was extracted from that group. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's yeah, Jesus' do, model. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're sitting here today because of that model. Right. We wouldn't be talking about God if it wasn't for that model. And so Bernie got me to see that. I don't know why I didn't see it before, Mike. I mean, I've been leading this church, this ministry, and everything's going great, and I guess I got too much to get excited about the praise and the pats on the back of look how great this ministry, but it was just being added unto, but it wasn't multiplying. I said, man, what? And then Bernie got me to say, what have you removed from it? And so after that, I couldn't sleep. I yeah. couldn't, cause I started thinking we're not making disciples. We're just building a men's ministry. So I went to my pastor who was also one of my mentors and I asked him a question that now <laughs> well, I had to ask, and I told him about me going to rethink disciple making. I said, do we have a strategic plan yeah. for discipling the men at our church? And I love my pastor. And he didn't have one. Right. And I said, then what are we doing if we're not discipling? I said, how important is discipling? Disciple maker, he said, Joe, it is huge, hugely important. And every pastor would tell you that. That's right. But so I said, okay, so shouldn't we have a plan for doing it? And so he believed that what we were doing was working. And don't that, rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, Joe. Because because he asked, what do you see happen? And to me, what I saw happening is now not just doing the get-togethers and the retreats. Right but actually getting into their private lives right. and doing life with them when it came to their marriage. So now we're going to have to talk about how are you loving your wife? That's right. We're going to have to talk about how are you discipling your children? How are you dealing with your addiction? How are you dealing with your trauma? Let's walk together. Let's do this together. And what I realized he wanted us to stay, and this is what most churches, and I, I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm just telling you the truth. Right. They're happy with fellowship. Right. And you see, but you can't stop at fellowship. It goes from fellowship. You got to go to brotherhood. Right. Fellowship is hanging out. Brotherhood is that we're talking about some deeper stuff. And then you go from brotherhood to discipleship where we're doing life together. Then if you do it right, it goes into disciple making. Right. And what ended up happening is after that happened, um, and I got disenchanted, and I said, I said, wow, there's no vision. And I need his support to make this thing work because guys were used to having fun yeah. and eating barbecue together, you know, and just showing up once a week where now we're talking about accountability. Yeah. We're, we're talking about now um, t- talking about the tough stuff, confessing our sins to one another. And we're talking about, we're talking about doing life together. And I'm like, wow, this is, he's not going to be happy with this. So I ended up leaving that church and it broke my heart. Wait a minute. So you're leading 
the the largest ministry. The largest ministry. Yeah, in the and church. we have to qualify that because largest doesn't mean most effective in right. kingdom terms. So you're right. leading the largest church or largest ministry in this church. You go and right. talk to the pastor, and it's I, this is Bernie's fault. We want to make sure we have to <laughs> yeah, Bernie yeah. I'm throwing Bernie under the bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you got backed life. up over him twice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and and so you left that church because yeah. you wanted to be in a place where a pastor had a strategic concept plan. of yeah. and plan for investing in men. Because I wanted to learn under a pastor like that. Because I realized what my pastor was doing wasn't wrong. His vision was different than the vision that God had put me on. Right. And and I, and I and I couldn't convince him. And it didn't happen immediately. I tried to, you know, yeah. I, I stuck around as long as I could. And I just saw, and the, men, and the ministry kept growing. And it kept growing. And I'm getting more and more depressed. <laughs> because I don't see anybody <laughs> stepping up as a leader to, right. to take over if something happened. Right? Yeah. And so eventually I had to leave. And I explained to my pastor why I was leaving um, and it was it was heart. I was heartbroken. He was heartbroken. And we're still friends. Sure. And and I left. And don't you know. I look back at that ministry. Guess where the men's ministry now is in that church. And this is going to be a depressing comment, I'm sure. Yes, it it went down. And they now went from meeting once a week to once a month if they can get the guys there. All right. And there's no multiplication of it and there it no that's what I was trying to tell him I'm afraid that if something happens if we don't disciple these men that if something happens to the leader i.e. the pastor in this case the ministry leader right. what you thought was strong really wasn't it was fool's gold it was vain glory cuz like you said Mike just because it's big doesn't mean it's effective yeah and that's what we found out that after that happened, he found out, wow, there was no plan for making disciples. All right. Let me step into this and, and uh, ask you a hard question, because mm-hmm. obviously God was working with you in that thing and brought you to a point of humility and recognizing that some of this, I, I, I'm going to use this term guardedly, but but you're a charismatic leader. I mean, Heck, I want to spend time with you. And and so mm-hmm. there are folks who are drawn to Joe as a leader, and there needs to be something more than that. I mean, you're awesome, right. but even Jesus said, I have to develop a plan and a strategy to invest in people who are going to carry this beyond me. And right. so it's somewhat humbling to be able to step back and say, I, I'm recognizing that I need to do this differently and so it just occurs to me, and I know I could rattle off the names of four or five guys right now who would not have the courage to step back and reflect the way that you did because they're enjoying leading that ministry too right. much because it's about them as right. a charismatic person and around the, the retreat that they do every year or men's softball or something. It's it's about something they get a lot of a lot of props out of something that that ministry is doing, but it's not biblically reproductive and strategic. Mm-hmm. What, what would you yeah. say to that guy? Um, I would tell them they need a Bernie in their life <laughs> <laughs> who, who will open up their eyes and remove the scales from their eyes and open up the clouds. So the clouds can part and the Holy Spirit can kind of show you that this is not about you. Wow. It's that's not about hard. You. And, that, and that's what Bernie humbled me. Oh, I'll give you a funny story, Mike. Um, when after I left Bernie after that weekend, I went back to my church, obviously, and I'm leading yeah. the men's ministry. And I mentioned to one of the guys in the group, right, <laughs> about Bernie's 
workshop. And he said, yeah, I know Bernie. I know about it. I went to that too. And I looked at that guy. I said, you went to that workshop and you never told me about it. I said, we're no longer friends. I said, we're no longer friends anymore. And he said, Joe, come on, man. I said, how dare you? How could you go to something like that and not tell me about it? Yeah. I told him, I said, dude, it changed my life. He said, Joe, I'm sorry, man. I said, man, I'm so mad. And it's funny now because he's in our ministry. Oh, really? Did I do now? But he knew. And so that's so what do I say is that I, I just thank God that Bernie, I was led to Bernie. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have known it. Mike, I would love to tell you, oh, I became so yeah. Excuse the pun, noble. Yeah. I became so I noble and so <laughs> humble that I, no, no, I felt under so much conviction yeah. at that workshop that I'm thinking, what are we doing? Yeah. Am I building my kingdom or God's kingdom? Yeah, boy, that's dangerous. Yeah. So when I realized it was God's kingdom and I tried to say, man, I got to get my pastor to see this, that we shouldn't be building our kingdom. We should be building his kingdom. That means you may lose a Joe Martin. Yeah. You may lose these guys. We shouldn't even care. We should be thanking God that they're going on to bigger and brighter things. And unfortunately for most churches, that's not the model. They don't want to lose the people that they have. Right. They, 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 oh, no, no. I don't want that person to replace me. No, I, I don't want that person to get more of the limelight in the credit. If God is getting the credit, I don't care who gets the credit right. as long as he's being glorified. But it takes a, um, it takes, revelation it right. takes god um revealing that to you and for each person it may be different for me it took bernie revealing it to me and i'm like god now deal with my heart on this and everything about me tell me this is not right i don't care how much they're praising you for this this isn't right this is not kingdom right this is church yeah you're not we, i want you to be kingdom minded not church minded and now the people who now from the outside looking in see it now and yep. it's like, wow, that dude started with nothing and launched this organization. And look how it's growing because we're not making it about me. We're yep. making it about the kingdom. And so now, and I told you before we came on the air, I'm being humbled again, thinking they don't need me now yep. in Real Men Connect. They they, they got that they're growing again. There's no face now to it. And that they're realizing that, wow, we can do this. And man, it just does my heart so well to know that, if I died tomorrow, I know God would say, well done. Yeah. My good and faithful servant. I was joking. I was on another person's show earlier, Mike, and they asked me, they told me, they said, Joe, you do, you just put out so much content. You do all this kind of, I said, I said, I put out so much content now that even after I die, that stuff is still going to be released two and three years later. And they're going to think I was Tupac. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought he died back in 2021. It's 2023, and stuff is still coming out. Yeah, and because because it's about multiplication. Yeah, there you go. And I don't got to get everything out right now. I just have to get it out eventually, and it will grow with or without me. And that's multiplication. Yeah. Um, man, so much here. That one of the things that caught my attention, you talked about moving from fellowship to brotherhood to discipleship to disciple making. Yes. Um. And, you know, so many so many men's ministries will use Proverbs 27, 17 as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't get to sharpening of iron until we're up in the upper ends of brotherhood and moving yes. toward discipleship where we're Amen. we're starting to grind on folks. And yes. um, because men hanging out, 
um, can live in some very safe and soft places. But when when you go deep and you start challenging guys and asking hard questions and learning each other's stories and knowing where weak points are, man, that's a whole nother level. And you begin to then polish and sharpen each other. And, and that's where we've got to get to as opposed to this fellowship stuff. We really, if, if we're going to, if we're going to see men built who can lead, then they've got to deal with their own stuff. And you've already talked about that. So, right. Yeah, and see, and the thing is that we as a church body, we're being satisfied with fellowship because let's look at the other side because you got to be able to understand why churches will be satisfied and okay with fellowship. Because if you look at across the board when it comes to churches, less than what? I think they say less than 10% have viable men's ministry. Right. Less than 10%. And that might be even worse than that. Yeah. But less than 10%. Now think about the less than 10%. So for the majority of churches, they're just happy to see guys come together at all. Right. So, man, fellowship is like, wow, this is amazing because we're not used to seeing men even come together. Right. Now you're talking about this more. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can we just can we just bask in this <laughs> this fun and yeah. nice area? Yes. But that's not that's not what God wants us to stay. To me, it's like Mount Transfiguration. He says, no, they're talking about can Let's we build just a stay hood. here? No, yeah. no, no, you can't stay here. Right. You got to go back down to that valley. Yeah. The deeper things that we got to deal with. No, let's let's relish this moment, this fellowship. But we got to go into the deeper waters. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I, I mentioned this before, but we do a weekly survey. One quick question. And last week, does your church have a strategic plan to disciple men? Well, about 40 percent of the respondents said that theirs did. Now, we're, we're talking about guys that's who are connected. to me. Well, that, it that's, is. That's shocking. <laughs> but I tell you, looking at some of the contact comments mm. that folks made, most of what they're talking about, about is fellowship it's level fellowship. engagement yeah. as opposed yeah. to true disciple making. This right. week's right. question um, was, what areas of equipping would be helpful to you on your journey right now? And one of the top responses was discipling others. So mm. I, I was encouraged by the fact that guys... Um, as we begin to talk more about what it looks like for a church to, str- to strategically disciple men, uh, pastors out there who are listening, I think there are men in your church who are ready for this. They've got time, they've got margin, they've got good health. And if we aren't teaching these guys how to reproduce themselves, then we're missing an opportunity to multiply the kingdom. And God's math is always multiplication. He doesn't often use addition. We talked about that earlier yeah. as well. So, um, I think we've got to lean into that direction. Well, let me, um, I I want to kind of bring this to a close. Joe, what would you say, uh, a a pithy comment, encouragement to a pastor who's wrestling with, well, our church is not moving forward because I don't have leaders and I'm, uh, marriages are falling apart. What do I do? How do I, how do I move from not doing anything other than fellowship to really get to disciple making among men in our church? Uh, what I would ask, and you ask me, so I'm going to tell you, but I don't necessarily think a lot of pastors be willing to do it. <laughs> but um, but I'm going to still speak the truth because this is what I would do and is what I've done to even build real men connect and watch it grow. Is uh, One of my friends told me, he says, love is saying, I'll go first. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go first. Jesus did it with us as well. Jesus says, I'll go first. I'll go to the cross. He didn't ask somebody to do it before him. He did it. Um, So that means humbling yourself first, forgiving first, loving first, sacrificing first, 
being vulnerable first. And so if what I would tell to pastors and say to pastors is that where I would start, if you want to see men just go beyond fellowship to at least go to brotherhood. Yeah. Because as you go to brotherhood, you're building relationship. You're building relationship. And as you build a relationship, now you, you without you knowing, you're now discipling because you're teaching them how to build relationships. And then they're going to be equipped to go back and do disciple making. But this is what I would tell the pastor to do. Start by telling your story of manhood, of your journey through manhood. Do you know how, how difficult it was for me, Mike, to be able to tell some guys who get in front of a group of people and say, I know I'm 52, but I didn't become a man until I was 37. Mm. And let me tell you, what it cost me of not knowing what a real man was. Yeah. And we can talk about what it takes to be a real man, but it's another thing to actually have somebody teach you how to do it and walk with you as you learn together. And so let me tell you my story yeah. about what I thought a man was, what I learned the hard way, what I wasn't taught, what I know now and how I got the help that I needed to become a man and congregation, my men, if I got them together at eating their barbecue, while the barbecue drip sauce <laughs> coming from their lips. Um, that I'm telling you my story, but if you could relate to that story, there's a deeper level we can get to. That's right. And I love that you guys come here every Saturday to eat pancakes and bacon. I love that, but I don't want you to end up like I was faking it until you're trying to make it right. Being uh being a mannequin instead of being a real man. Yeah. Masquerading with Christianity, wearing the costume of Christianity, but not really walking in the true, my true identity in Christ. That I had to learn how to be a man, and it took another man to show me. Because whether you believe it or not, I know we got a lot of men here, but I know whether you believe it or not, no good man can come become, become a great man without the help of a godly man. Amen. Or in our case, godly men. That's right. So I'm challenging you, for those who are serious, if you want to go deeper, we'll meet again for breakfast next month, have some pancakes and throw some bacon, might even throw some extra croissants in there for you if you're being good. <laughs> but if you want to go deeper than that, we're going to meet on a weekly basis Right. with guys who are serious. Yeah. We're going to learn together what it takes to be the man that God has called and created us to be. And we're going to talk about our, our successes. We're going to talk about our failures. We're going to talk about our mistakes. We're going to talk about our fears. We're going to talk about our doubts. And it'll be just us. Yeah. Now, I know this is not for everybody, but those of you who were like me, who were faking it, come meet with me. And we're going to do this together. That's where I would start. But it takes a pastor who's willing to open up his heart and say, I love you enough to say, I'll go first. Yeah. And it, tell you my struggles. Who's going to be transparent and lead right. out in that. You know, I right. boy, there's so much I want to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna share one verse that mm -hmm. um speaks to me on this. Judges chapter one, verse one. I, it, this jumped out at me. It says, After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight for us against them? That question right there, who's going to go first, mm -hmm. is something that stirs me 
and inspires me because everyone is looking for a leader who's willing to step out on the tip of the spear and Mm -hmm. put himself in a vulnerable position and lead. And that's what God designed men to do. So I I love your challenge to a pastor to be willing to go first first and lead his men in transparency, vulnerability. But out of that comes maturity and healing and growth and multiplication. I mean, this that's the seed that mm-hmm. grows the mighty oak, isn't it? So Yeah, uh, and you know, and it seems kind of um kind of counterintuitive, but that's just how God works. Yeah. That in other words, how do we grow a men's ministry? Go smaller so you can go grow bigger. Amen. Well I think Second yeah. Timothy two two, Paul told Timothy, you you the things you've seen me teach in the presence mm-hmm. of many men, you teach to other faithful trust men. Trust them to others. That's right. Teach others also. So we got to find those faithful men. We can teach everybody, mm-hmm. but we need to be looking for those faithful yeah, men. That's faithful men. Faithful so men. You can go small and then you grow out. Amen. And that's exactly what it's going to take. And we can do it. Mike, we can do this. We just need somebody to say, you know what? God send me. Every church. Send me. There's Every that guy. There's that yeah. guy. Every church that could follow that uh, that respond to that. So, well, Doctor Joe, thank you so much. This has been fun, and man, we're gonna have to talk again because uh, I just just love time with you, and I know you've got so much more talking about identity, folks. Uh, Doctor Joe's story. Um, his personal testimony is captured in a couple of videos that are on his website. We're going to link to those. He's written a number of books. We're going to link to that. Um, his bio, His um, he's got a subscription kind of group going on to train men for leadership. So all of that will be in our show notes. But you need to check out what he's doing, and you need to pray. We all need to pray about what God wants us to do right. to invest in men in our churches and grow in maturity so that we can see the kingdom grow. Uh, Thank you so much, Dr. Joe, for being with us. Folks, we'll look forward to seeing you next week for episode number 45 of the Noble Man Podcast. God bless you.